Chapter Twenty Three of Percy Wynne or Making a Boy of Him. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Nicole Kristen. Percy Wynne or Making a Boy of Him by Francis J. Finn. An Adventure on the Railroad Track it would be a long task to describe in detail the varied amusements of christmas week skating dancing the nightly play indoor games and outdoor sport caused these days to pass on the wings of happiness and mirth with all this little frank contrived to get religion in time and out of time just six days after his arrival he was reduced to tears and i regret to state made quite a show of temper with his peremptory request that the president should baptize him on the spot was denied but he soon regained his calmness of demeanour and under favour of the president's promise that he should be baptized once he knew his catechism well by heart he set to work at the study of this little book with such ardour that percy could scarcely persuade him to come out skating frank very effectually prevented mr kane and mr middleton from becoming lonesome no sooner did either of these worthy prefects put in an appearance in the yard than he bore down upon him and played the part of an animated interrogation point like the gentlemen of the coach-room frank wanted the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth he was especially hard upon mr middleton prove it he would calmly say when mr middleton had advanced some simple statement which any other boy living would have taken for granted but beyond all doubt he did master his catechism only as a matter of prudence was his reception into the church delayed meanwhile percy picked up so rapidly in skating that his professor could gracefully allow his pupil to shift for himself percy was still awkward upon the ice but that defect like youthfulness is something which time alone can correct on the last day of the old year an event occurred which exercised a strong influence upon percy's character shortly after breakfast the boys went to the lakes for a day's skating early in the afternoon percy feeling unwell obtained permission from the presiding prefect to return to college frank wished to serve as his companion but percy would not hear of this no you stay frank you need a little more outdoor exercise you're wearing your little brains out with that catechism i think tom had better come with me this choice of tom had most probably an important bearing on after events they walked along the railroad track for over a mile without meeting with any one but just as they were about to pass over a trestle work bridge intended only for engine and cars about a deep ravine a man who had been hidden from their sight by the steep bank arose and taking his station on the track awaited their advance he was gaunt and haggard of face his beard of several days growth imparted to his features a weird aspect his eyes deep sunk glittered with a dreadful light the clothes upon him were tattered scanty too few god knows for such bitter weather his shoes scarcely protected his feet at all standing there on the railroad track 
with his pinched features, shining eyes and wretched attire, he was the picture of misery and woe. Oh, Tom, Percy exclaimed in a whisper as he caught Tom's arm. Let's turn back. That man looks like a wolf. He's a stick in his hand, too. Perhaps he may attack us. Oh, I guess not, said Tom coolly. But if he starts to attack, it will be time enough to run away then. So Tom, with Percy timidly clinging to his arm, walked boldly on. Good evening, he said, as they arrived within a few feet of the wretch who was evidently awaiting them. The man scanned them hungrily, then fastened his eyes on Percy. Percy shivered. Boy, he said, what time is it? Percy, with trembling fingers, took out his watch. Half past two, sir. The man advanced a step on them. Tom drew Percy back. Keep off, will you? Tom exclaimed. I reckon you're near enough. Upon seeing Percy's handsome gold watch, the man's features had, if possible, taken on a yet hungrier appearance. Hand me that watch, young fellow, and I'll let you both go. We've got to run, whispered Tom quickly, and he and Percy, both thoroughly frightened, turned and dashed back towards the lakes. At once the man was after them, and the sound of his footfalls at their back inspired both boys to tremendous exertions. Quicker, quicker yet, panted Tom as they sped on, not even daring to look around at their pursuer, lest they should lose ground. I think he's gaining on us. They made forward for some time in silence, not a sound upon the stillness save their own laboured breathing and the ominous footfall behind. Presently, Tom, judging from the sound of the pursuer's feet that it would be safe, ventured to turn his head. Cheer up, Percy, he said. He's falling back. At first I think he gains on us, but now he's losing awfully. A minute passed. Tom took another look. He's almost out of the race. He can't run worth a cent. Presently he added, why, he has stopped. Hold on, we're all right, Percy. He's at least 200 feet off. Let's take a rest too. Both turned and feeling that they were out of danger, took a full look at their defeated pursuer. An exclamation of surprise broke from the lips of Percy. The man's actions were certainly strange. Not only had he stopped, he had taken a seat on a railroad tie. Well, I declare, said Tom, he doesn't take much interest in gold watches after all. Hello, this explanation was evoked by the man's lying down across the track. Oh my God, cried Percy in dismay. Is he out of his mind? queried Tom. No, answered Percy. I'm beginning to see now. That man must be sick. Do you remember the look of his thin face and his hollow eye? Tom, we must go to him. Percy was now as resolute as he had before been timid. All right, Tom agreed, but to make sure I'll get something to protect ourselves with. He quickly secured a stout stick which he happened to perceive lying nearby, and armed with this he and Percy advanced towards their pursuer. Say, exclaimed Tom, when they had come within a few yards of the motionless form, get up off the track. There may be a train along here any minute. At these words, the man raised his head and stared at them listlessly. Are you sick? pursued Tom. 
I'm dying. There was a dread solemnity about those two words, which were Percy and Tom to live into the centuries they will never forget. Oh my God, cried Percy, clasping his hands. Tom's tone and feelings were at once changed. Can we help you, my poor fellow, he asked, and throwing aside his stick, he advanced with Percy. The man paused, then answered slowly, and passed help, I think. Percy had been gazing at him intently. Oh, Tom, Tom, he's starving, and Percy sobbed. The man looked up with a bewildered air. I am starving, boy, he said. Tom happened to have a cake in his pocket. He drew it forth and handed it to the poor creature. Try to eat it, he said gently and tenderly. It's the only thing I've got, my friend. The man accepted the gift and made an attempt to eat. In the very act, a sudden fit of coughing came upon him, and he spat out a mouthful of blood. Thank you, my boy, he said feebly, and passed the need of bread. Shall we take you off the track, sir? asked Tom. The poor fellow, who had raised himself upon his skinny arm to receive the cake in lieu of answer to this question, fell back helplessly. Tom, throwing off his overcoat and jacket, spread them on a patch of soft earth just beside the railroad track. We must catch hold of him and place him there, Percy, he said gravely. They carried the poor fellow with little trouble. He was light enough to this part. Then Percy drew off his coat and wrapped it around their patient. Tom would have restrained him. You're sick yourself, Percy, he said. You'll risk injuring yourself. This is a time for risks, Tom. The man's fierce aspect had softened. You're good boys good boys he panted i'm sorry i should have asked you for help instead of trying to rob you there was a moment's pause tom was in a brown study save the labored breathing of the dying wretch there was a deathly stillness percy said tom at length are you afraid to stay alone with this poor man oh no i think he is dying and it seems to me one of us should go for assistance i'll stay tom you are the better runner very well i'll run to st maurice and try to get a wagon or something and tom at his highest speed started across the trestle work bridge heedless of the danger danger was there not a life in question so there stood percy alone with the sick man cheer up sir he said presently tom has run on to get assistance it's too late do you really think you're going to die? Yes. Percy breathes a prayer to the Blessed Virgin. Then he again spoke. Well, if you're going to die, sir, hadn't you better think of the other world? The man's face thus far apathetic became troubled. I'm going to hell, he said. For the last two years, I've been leading a very wicked life. Percy dwelt upon these words, but you weren't always wicked, he at length said. No, once I was happy and contented, then I wasn't so bad. As he spoke, fresh life seemed to infuse itself into the man. I was happy in a dear wife and an only child, the boy. Here the narrator raised himself on his arm and continued with more animation. 
I was what they call a skilled mechanic and received very good wages. But troubles came on between some of the men and the bosses. There was a strike. I was a member of an association and had to go out with the rest. The strike passed away, but my work never came back. I saw my wife's cheek grow paler day by day. I saw her face grow thinner and thinner. Then I offered myself for any kind of work. But even with the poor work and poor pay I got, it was too late. When she smiled upon me for the last time and died of want, I gave up God. Oh, poor fellow, Percy exclaimed, the tears arising to his eyes. It was hard, but you should have prayed the more. Here, it is hard for you to rest on your hand. Put your head on my knees. Percy seated himself and placed the man in this easier position. You are a good boy. I would like to say God bless you, but it would mean nothing from me. As I was saying, my boy was left me and how I loved him and worked, worked, worked at anything to provide for him. But the times grew worse. He died of fever. Then I cursed God. A visible shudder passed over Percy, and while he said nothing aloud, his lips moved in prayer. I was almost crazed with grief, continued the man. From that hour, I hated the wealthy. I hated law. I hated order. It was wrong, I knew. But I was determined to live wicked. From that hour, I became a tramp, a thief, a companion of villains and murderers. And now you ask me to think of another life? I have no hope. But God will forgive you if you repent. The man considered. Percy, whose whole soul was bent in bringing his companion to repentance, noticed even as he watched the haggard countenance that snow was beginning to fall, silent and soft. I cannot hope it, no, I've lived bad and I'll die bad. But think of Jesus dying on the cross, urged Percy, his face kindling with earnestness. He shed every drop of his blood for you. Yes, came the groaning answer, and I've spurned it. In the agitation of the moment, Percy prayed aloud, Oh my God, my God, what shall I say to bring this creature to thee? My friend, my dear friend on that cross, and while he was suffering so bitterly, Christ forgave a thief who had been leading a whole life of sin. Now Christ is no longer in bitter pain. He is happy. Speak to him, my friend. You have sinned, but he will forgive you. It is impossible for you to go to confession, but do make your peace with God. You have but one soul. The man listened earnestly. With each second, the pallor upon his face was increasing, and now drops of sweat were standing upon his brow. Even at this supreme moment, when the judgment seat of God seemed to be awaiting an immortal soul, Percy observed that the flakes were falling faster each minute. Do you think he might forgive me? Oh, surely, and I think he will pity and love you the more, my friend, for the very reason that you are dying like him, under the sky and deserted by all. Oh, if I could repent, I fear it is too late. More slowly, more heavily, he was fetching his breath. The snow was falling thicker and faster. 
Percy realized with a sense of awe such as he had never felt before that a soul was as it were in his keeping suddenly his face lighted up as with an inspiration he placed his hand in his pocket and drew forth a small silver crucifix a christmas present from one of his sisters kiss it my friend for the love and the memory of our saviour who died on the cross i'm afraid to dare it moaned the wretch with a shiver oh god i have been so wicked i am corrupt go away from me boy i am not even worthy to be near a pure child i am cursed leave me in answer to this percy raised the dying creature's pallid head and imprinted a kiss on the forehead oh my god he murmured in the act have pity on him the dying man softened still more my boy he said if you are so good god must be good too yes yes said percy eagerly he is infinitely good every word every breath on the part of the dying man was now an effort about that poor creature struggling for air and life frolicked the madcap snow but he knows he paused for a time through sheer lack of strength then went on all my sins you don't as god is looking down on us my friend i know that he will forgive you and love you even were your sins a thousand times greater than they are a moment's silence broken by the long-drawn gasps of the dying he made an attempt to speak percy bent nearer to catch the words crucifix that was what the boy made out percy brought the crucifix to the man's lips he kissed it tenderly thank god murmured percy he added aloud now my dear friend if you wish to enjoy the company of jesus forever if you wish to see your wife and little boy again you must make an act of perfect contrition for your sins do you wish to do so the man nodded his head in assent well it is a great grace you must be sorry for having offended god who is infinitely perfect and good now pray to god quietly and from your heart for one moment that you may get this grace i shall pray with you there was a period of silence in the palpable stillness the snow was falling more and more quickly again the awful silence was broken by the whistle of a train far up the track come resumed percy as the faint echo of the whistle died away are you ready the upturned face signified assent good now repeat the words after me as i speak them and first of all kiss the crucifix once more as the man complied the rumble of a distant train came faintly on their ears now continued percy repeat after me my jesus mercy percy bent low to catch the faintest whisper the rumbling noise was growing more distinct percy had read of the death rattle even as he bent over he heard an ominous sound from the man's throat surely there could be no time to lose oh my god he said oh my god repeated the dying man i am most heartily sorry the rumble was now sharpening into a rattle for all my sins and i detest them from the bottom of my heart 
As Percy stooped to catch these last words, the man broke into a cough. More blood came, and while the train in its magnificence swept by, bearing with it strength and power and wealth, bearing with it mortals whose fattened purses had never opened to aid poverty, to aid distress, bearing with it a multitude sufficient in united action to save a million from death and despair this outcast of the world this wretched sport of seeming caprice went forth in prayer to meet his god let men call him socialist anarchist a creature worthy of the altar yes let us punish our anarchists when they violate our most sacred laws but we shall save prison fare and more if we treat the poor and the oppressed as true children of the one father who is in heaven End of chapter 23